Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Let's get into part two of our series, Christmas at the Movies. Hey, how many of you enjoyed last week, uh, Pastor Don talking about a Christmas story? I've rarely ever seen that entire movie. I just see parts of it as it loops all day on Christmas on TV. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know? Yeah. Uh, I want to tell you a quick fact about me. Also, I still own a Daisy Red Ryder uh, BB gun like Ralphie. So, and I did not ever shoot my eye out. But, you know, we talked about how Ralphie in the movie, he wanted this BB gun so bad that he was ignoring all warning signs that he would shoot his eye out. And eventually it did lead to self-harm, right? And so sometimes we can get so laser focused on what we want that we ignore the warning signs. We ignore the wisdom that God is trying to get to us and we seek after those things instead. So this week we're talking about uh, my favorite Christmas movie, uh, probably one of my top two favorite movies of all time. It's about an accidental kidnapping and then it turns into kind of this big case of mistaken identity, which sounds really serious, but it's really not because this week we're talking about the movie Elf. Does anybody like the movie Elf? It's awesome. If you're new to the series, all that we're doing is we're seeing what our favorite Christmas films can teach us about our relationship with God. And so if you're not familiar with Elf, uh, what happens in the movie is there's this little kid. He lives in an orphanage. Actually, if you watch the scene, there's no other kids there. And this sweet, nice nun is taking care of him. And on Christmas Eve, he crawls into Santa's bag. Now, if you want something to make you feel really, really old, this year, Elf turns 15 years old. Everybody's like, no, right? There's only flip phones in the movie. There's not even an iPhone. So that just kind of dates it for you. But so Buddy, this little kid, he crawls into this bag and let's see what happens in this first clip. We've had another very successful year. So, after all that hard work, it's time to start preparations for next Christmas. What in the name of Sam Hill is that? Little Buddy Diapers. His name is Buddy. He must have snuck into your sack at the orphanage. What do we do? So, Santa had a decision to make. Fortunately, when it comes to babies, Santa's a, a pushover. So Buddy stayed with a, an older elf who had always wanted a child, but had been so committed to building toys, he, he well, had forgotten to, to settle down. Santa! Yes, yes, I, I raised Buddy. I was his adopted father. Okay, so I've had to watch this movie or parts of this movie a lot of times to prepare for this sermon, so it's pretty much ingrained into my subconscious by now. But I was just thinking as I was watching this for uh, however many times I watched it, how are these elves smart enough to make toys for the entire world on Christmas, but they can't tell that that's the diaper brand and not his name? 
I know that sounds lame to you, but if you watch it as many times as I have, you would feel the same way. So as I began, though, to think about this movie through what it could teach me about my relationship with God, I saw something I had never seen before. And that's that if you see in this story, Santa has a choice. He can either find where this baby came from and return him like a Christmas gift, or he can keep him. And he and Papa Elf, everybody just say that because it's fun. Say Papa Elf, right? Okay, I just wanted to make you say that because I felt awkward saying that. So he and Papa Elf make the choice to keep this baby and they give it a new name. Now, just go with me on this because I know it's kind of silly. But when I begin to think of what God does for you and I, he has a history of choosing people that nobody else wants and giving them a new name and a future and a destiny. Just think of this, Abraham and Sarah, their original names were Abram and Sarai. God chose them when they weren't even following him. They were worshiping other gods and he called them to something great and he gave them a new name. And in fact, Jesus came through their lineage. You stop and think about Saul, who persecuted Christians, hated Christians, was throwing them in jail, was there when the first Christian martyr was stoned to death. Saul, God changed his name to Paul, and he ended up writing much of the New Testament that we read today. And then I think about this young man named Jeremiah. Now, people believe he was a young adult. Uh, I think they were saying around 17 to 22, somewhere in that range, when God called him. And God didn't give him a new name, but he called him for a specific purpose. Actually, right here in Jeremiah 1.5, God says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Catch that phrase for a second. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you had ever been thought about, God was thinking about you and he had a plan for your life. In fact, before you were born, God handpicked you for a purpose and a calling and a destiny and he gave you an identity. And so today we're gonna explore our identity and our calling, our purpose and our destiny. We're going to find out how we can discover that in life. And we're going to see throughout the way that there are some bumps and some challenges and some roadblocks. We see that in Buddy's life. So let's take a look at this next clip. As much as uh, Buddy was accepted by his family and friends, there were a few drawbacks to being a a human in an elf's world. be a little bit short on today's quota. It's all right, buddy. Just how many answers catches did you get finished? Come on, buddy, how many? I made, uh, 85. Eighty-five? That puts you 915 off the pace. Why don't you just say it? I'm the worst toy maker in the world. I'm a cotton-headed ninny-muggins. 
<gasps> no, buddy, you're not a cotton head in any muggins. We all just have different talents, that's all. Seems like everyone else has the same talents except for me. You you have you have lots of talents. Uh special talents, in fact. Like um uh, special talents? You changed batteries in the smoke detector? Mm-hmm. Sure did. Yeah. Triple A's. And in six months, you'll have to check them again. Won't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're the only baritone in the elf choir. <laughs> you bring us down a whole octave. In a good way. <laughs> See, buddy, you're not a cotton head in any muggins. You're just special. And so, Buddy was sent where the, the special elves work. <laughs> to you, but think you can help me pick up the slack on those etch sketches? No problem. I appreciate it. But he's killing me. I already got Lum Lum and Choo Choo pulling doubles. Quick thinking yesterday with that special talents thing. I feel bad for the guy. Just hope he doesn't get wise. Well, if he hasn't figured out he's a human by now, I don't think he ever will. If he hasn't figured out he's a human by now, I don't think he ever will. I think they're too small. You just special. You don't look so good, buddy. Are you okay? I'll be okay. I just need a glass of water. Okay, uh, so fun fact about this clip. I didn't know this until maybe like a month ago or something. Did you know that his boss, Ming Ming, is Ralphie from A Toy Story? Who, who did not know that? I mean, I'm sorry, not A Toy Story, A Christmas Movie. What? Uh, who did not? So he's Ralphie the Kid from A Christmas Story. Who did not know that? Thank you. You made me feel much better about my life. I felt like, how did I not know that? And I said it in a meeting. And everybody's like, yeah, we knew that. I was like, okay, thanks. So I just wanted to get that off my chest and help myself feel better. Thank you. Here's a question for you. Do you ever feel like a human in an elf's world? Now, when I stand next to like Pastor John, I feel like a little elf in a human's world because he's really, really tall. That's not what I'm talking about. Do you ever feel like maybe you can't keep up with everybody else? Like you're not hitting the quota that everybody else is hitting. Like you're not succeeding the way that you thought that you would. I think it's so interesting in life, so many times we compare ourselves to other people and we end up feeling like a failure. Actually, there's this quote, it's attributed to Albert Einstein. Nobody really knows who said it, but this quote says this, it's really interesting. It says, everyone is a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. 
You know, maybe sometimes the reason we feel so far behind everyone else, the reason we feel like we really don't fit in, the reason we feel like a human and an elf's world, like we're not succeeding the way that we thought we would, is maybe it's because we're using someone else's standard to judge our success instead of using God's standard for our lives. And I think we can so easily get caught up in that. And if I could just clue you in on something, Some of those people that we're comparing ourselves to, they feel the same exact way that we do. It's so interesting to me that we can base our life on someone else's life and think that we're behind when maybe God's called you to do something totally different than what he's called them to do. Everybody has a unique calling. Now, here's what I think is kind of funny and interesting about this clip. He feels like uh, it's too difficult for him. Does that make sense? Like he can't make the stuff as fast as he needs to. But then also at the end of it, he feels like everything is too small for him. And maybe you fit into one of those two categories. Maybe you feel like the season that God has you in is too difficult for you. Maybe you feel like it's just too hard. My job is too hard. Family life is too hard. What God's asking me to do is just too hard right now. And if I could encourage you in Isaiah 43 verse two, God says that when you pass through the waters, he'll be with you. It says that when you go through the rivers, they won't drown you. But another translation says this. It says, you will not be overwhelmed. If you feel today like you're overwhelmed, I want to encourage you that if you'll just fix your eyes on God and do what he tells you to do, you may feel some pressure for a little bit, but you will not be overwhelmed. And just like God parted the Red Sea so that the children of Israel could walk through it into freedom. And just like God parted the Jordan River so that they could walk into all the destiny and the promise that he had for them, God will part those waters for you. So you don't have to feel overwhelmed. The second thing, though, is sometimes you might be in a situation, maybe it's your job or whatever it may be, where you feel too big for it. Here's what I mean. You feel like God's called you to something greater and bigger than what you're currently doing right now. If I could encourage you with this. Maybe God wants to put something on the inside of you in this season that you're going to need when you step into what you feel he's really called you to. That maybe God's actually called you to this place in life to prepare you and equip you for where you're going. And this is silly, but just go with me on this. If Buddy wouldn't have lived in an environment where he didn't fit, that was too small for him, where everything was beneath him, If he wouldn't have lived in that kind of environment, he wouldn't have had the tools that he needed to do what he did later in the movie. Because he was an optimist, he had more Christmas spirit than anybody, right? That's what he needed later on, but he gained that in an environment where he didn't feel like he could keep up and where he didn't feel like he could fit. So maybe today it's time for us in this journey to stop evaluating ourselves by other people's standards and start saying, God, I want to know what you think of my life, where you feel that I'm at, and what you want me to be doing right now. I never thought I'd hear people clap about Buddy the Elf making an Etch-A-Sketch. But here's the deal. When you begin this journey, you're going to encounter some opposition. Let's check that out in this next clip. Sorry I can't ride with you the rest of the way up, but this is where my dad works. Well, have a good time. Oh, I forgot to give you a hug. Oh, I don't know, Connie. I've never declawed kittens before. How many? Eight? I 
don't know if I'm going to have time. Well, all right, just bring them by the camp for this weekend. I'll see what I can do. I'm not going to charge you. Just bring them by and I'll see what I can do. Excuse me. I'm here to see a Walter Hobbs. I'm Buddy the Elf. <laughs> you look hilarious. Who sent you? Papa Elf. Papa Elf? Mm -hmm. From the North Pole. From the North Pole? Yes. Yeah. Mr. Hobbs? It's me on the intercom. Go ahead. Yeah, I think someone sent you a Christmas gram. Dad! <laughs> all right, uh, let's get it over with. I walked all day and night to find you. You look like you came from the North Pole. That's <laughs> exactly where I came from. Santa must have called you. Oh, yeah, sure. He uh, just got off the cell phone with me. He did? So, go on. Go on with what? Well, I, are you going to sing a song or something, or can I just go back to work? A song? Uh, yeah. Anything for you, Dad. Um, I, uh, I'm... I'm here with my dad, and we never met, and he wants me to sing him a song. <laughs> and, um, I was adopted, but you didn't know I was born. So I'm here now. I found you, Daddy. And guess what? I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh! Wow. That was weird. Okay, I have to tell you, uh, if you want to learn something about me today, my favorite line, I think, in this entire movie is in that scene. And it's probably not the line that you would think. But when he gets off the elevator and they're waiting for him to walk into the office, I love what the secretary, did you catch what she says? I heard a couple people laugh. She says, I don't know, Connie, I've never declawed any kittens before. I just think, like, who was sitting in a meeting like, what should the secretary say at this point? kittens. That'll be good. You know, like who picked that? Those are my favorite types of things in movies. And, you know, as I watch this scene again through kind of different eyes, it's really funny and everything, but let's be real for a second. How many times have you and I done weird, crazy things so that people we don't even know would accept us? And how many times have all we, has, have they only said in return, that was weird. Like that was lame and they just kind of shoot you down. But honestly, we do so many things so that people we don't know will accept us. Or we do so many things so that people that we do know will value us. I mean, we'll wear clothes that we don't even really like so that people will think that we're cool. We'll do things to our hair that should never be done to hair so that people think that we're cool. We'll drive cars that make us look like we have more money than we do. We'll talk in certain ways to make people think that we know more than we do or that we're tougher than we really are. That's a common thing for all of us. And see, here's the problem with it is we are asking people to determine our value and give us security in life. But can I let you in on a secret that I forget all the time? Some of the people that we are asking for value and worth and security are just as insecure as we are. They're dealing with the same things that we are searching for, the same purpose that we are, but we're asking them to give us purpose. So when we get the response of, wow, that was weird, or, you know, it's not really good enough, or whatever it may be, they're just as insecure, and they're speaking out of their insecurity, 
not out of their security in who they are. So I think what's really interesting is we tend to do things so that people will value us. But the way that God works is completely the opposite of that. Because see, God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you and me before we were ever even born, before we ever had the ability to do anything. So we seek value for what we do from other people, but God speaks value for who we are apart from what we do. God sees you for who you are, despite anything that you've ever done, and he values you the same today with every mistake, every flaw, every shortcoming as he did the day you were born. That's how God views us. So I think we have to stop getting our value from what we do and how to impress other people and how to act a certain way. But all we have to do is stop and say, okay, God, you created me with an identity. You value me for who I am because you give me my value as my creator. So God, now help me to see my value and then help me to live out my purpose in accordance with that. But when you begin to see your value, people will criticize you. It usually comes from insecurity, but they'll start to say certain things about you. Let's check that out in Buddy's life with this clip. You are very good at decorating that tree. Why are you messing with me? Did Crumpa put you up to this? I'm not messing with you. It's just nice to meet another human who shares my affinity for elf culture. I'm just trying to get through the holidays. Get through? Christmas is the greatest day in the whole wide world. Please stop talking to me. Uh-oh. Sounds like someone needs to sing a Christmas carol. Go away. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Thanks, but I don't sing. Oh, it's easy. It's just like talking. Except louder and longer and you move your voice up and down. I can sing, but I just choose not to sing. Especially in front of other people. Well, if you sing alone, you can sing in front of other people. There's no difference. Actually, there's a big difference. No, th- no, there isn't. Wait. I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys. See? Okay. What have we got here? I don't eat those. Oh. Gotta really hurry up, Walter, because I'm double booked the rest of the afternoon. Am I sick? Yeah, but that's not what we're here. We're here to do a test. Come on. What kind of test? Just a test to find out if you're my son or not. Why am I sitting on paper? Because it's sanitary for the other patients. Now sit still so I can do the finger prick. <gasps> finger prick? Cold. Yeah. Just please sit still, please. Okay. Can I listen to your necklace? No, you can't. Can you just sit still? Why is there a skeleton? I don't know. What Walter? Could you please? Like could you please have him sit Does still so I can do no, this? No, he has got a name. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Would you please sit still. Please. He got mad at me. Yes, he did. He did. The sooner you sit still, the sooner we can get this mess over. Okay. Then can we eat sugar plums? You bet you. We'll eat sugar plums and gingerbread houses, okay. and we'll even paint eggs. Well, paint eggs. That's easier. It's a boy, but he's your son. That's very impossible. 
you saw that guy. He's certifiably insane. He's probably just reverting to a state of childlike dependency. An elf. Did you catch the part uh, where he's looking at the skeleton? He says, if I squint my eyes really hard, it looks like a pirate flag. I'm like, what in the world? I never, I never heard that part until I watched it 472 times. So I love the way his dad says it at the end. There, he says, an elf, really? Stop and think about this for a second. Have you ever told somebody about a dream that you had? Maybe God gave you this, like this passion or this thing that you wanted to do. Maybe you wanted to start a business. You wanted to go to school, go to college, become a doctor, whatever it may be. God placed it inside of you. And they kind of gave you that response. Like, really? I mean, like, I'm not trying to be rude, but like nobody in our family has ever done that before. I've seen your test scores and they're not like an A and they're not like a, they're not bad, but they're pretty bad. They kind of gave you that really response. Maybe you have people, there are some of you, literally, when you show up to your job, they tell you, you're too happy, be quiet. When you choose to be who God has called you to be and to do what God has called you to do, people will find something to criticize about you. They will either attack who you are or what God wants you to do. And generally, don't hold it against them. It's just their own insecurity speaking. Because they may be so lost that they don't know what to do and they don't want to see you know what to do. We don't hold it against people, but we have to filter it correctly because from the outside, you may look like the wrong candidate. I love what his dad said. He said, am I sick? And his dad's like, yeah, but that's not why we're here. People might think you look like the wrong candidate for sure. There is no way you could do what you're telling me God told you to do. You have the wrong personality, the wrong gifts. There's no way you're going to make it happen. But can I tell you something? The Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. You may be shy, but God may be calling you to step out of your comfort zone and do something different. You may be the person that failed every class in school, but God is calling you to start a business that could change people's lives. There's something on the inside of you that God has placed there and outside looking in, it will look like there's no way. But can I tell you, when the outside looking in looks like there's no way, that's when God can get glory out of your life because people will look at you and say, how in the world did she do it? In fact, Jeremiah, when God called him, his response to God wasn't very holy. He said in verses six to eight of Jeremiah chapter one, oh, sovereign Lord, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. And the Lord replied, don't say I'm too young for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Listen, you can fill in that blank of the word young with whatever it is for you. I'm too addicted. I'm too messed up. I'm too poor. I'm too uneducated. Whatever your blank is, I believe God is saying to you today, don't say that anymore. I've called you to something great. And by the way, it says in verse eight, don't be afraid of the people. Don't let people dictate your decisions in life. Don't be afraid of what people are going to say to you because people don't determine your destiny. God determines your destiny. Amen. And you may say, that's great, but sometimes the people closest to me have tried to tear me down. That's a pretty tough thing to experience. Let's see that in this next clip. 
I don't care where you go. I don't care that you're an elf. I don't care that you're nuts. I don't care that you're my son. Get out of my life now. I'm sorry I ruined your lives and crammed 11 cookies into the VCR. I don't belong here. I don't belong anywhere. I'll never forget you. Love, buddy. Thank you for that. That was great. That was the greatest apology of all time. Like, sidebar, I have to get this off my chest. 11 cookies. Sorry about that. But you know, it's really interesting when his dad rejects him because that's kind of the breaking point for him. And some of you maybe came from homes or places where those closest to you, they kind of rejected you and it served as that breaking point for you. Maybe your dad was disengaged. Maybe he was there, but he wasn't present. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he was hypercritical of you. Maybe you had a mom who uh, was more interested in doing drugs than in taking care of you. Maybe you had a spouse that walked out and left. Whatever that may be, those are the kind of things that can tear us down in an instant, but that instant lasts a lifetime. The people closest to you are supposed to speak to your identity, but sometimes if they don't know their identity, they'll tear you down. And again, we don't hold it against people because usually people are speaking out of their pain. We forgive them for that, but here's what I want you to know today, that whatever people have torn down in your life, God can rebuild. In Psalm 27, verse 10, the psalmist says, even if my father and my mother abandoned me, God will never leave me. Whether your family has left you, Hebrews 13, 5 says that God will never leave you or forsake you. God wants to rebuild the places that people have torn down in your heart regarding your identity in him and regarding your purpose. Isaiah says that God will rebuild the ancient ruins. He'll restore desolate places. And I believe he wants to do that for you today. But you have to get close enough for him to speak your identity to you. Let's check out this last clip.
like, what kind of deer? Buddy, is that you? Are you okay? Boy, am I glad to see you. The clausometer suddenly just dropped down to zero. There's just no Christmas spirit anymore. The strain was too much. The engine broke free of her mounts. I need an elf's help. I, I'm not an elf, Sam. I, I, I can't do anything right. Buddy, you're more of an elf than anyone I ever met. And the only one who I would want working on my sleigh tonight. Really? Really? Will you fix it for me, buddy? I'll try. Papa taught me how. Yes, we'll never know for sure what happened this Christmas Eve in Central Park. And so, with a little help, Buddy managed to save Christmas. And his spirit saved a lot of other people, too. First of all, I love that Santa was so quick to get into a fight. Like, I never thought of it that way. He's like, I'm going to take off these white gloves right now, you know? But when I got to thinking about that clip, uh, I started thinking about how God the Father sees you and me. Now, I'm not saying that God looks like Santa, so I'm going to take it that way. But God sees you and me as who we are becoming, not who we are now. In fact, when he says he needs an elf's help, Buddy says two things. He says, I'm not an elf, and I mess up everything. And Santa says, you're more of an elf than anyone I know, and there's no one else I'd rather have working on my sleigh tonight. You know, sometimes when you feel the most insecure, the most depressed, the most like you can't make it, the most overwhelmed, the most out of your depth and out of your league, like you mess up everything, I believe that God would say to you, no, you are who I say you are. And as it says in the book of Esther, maybe you've been placed here for such a time as this, that maybe God has you in that job that you don't really like your coworkers because he placed you there to be a blessing to them. Maybe God has you doing something right now. And in this season where you feel overwhelmed or you feel stretched or you feel too big for where you're at because he needs you there to bless people. Because if you look at the end of that, it says uh, this really simple phrase. It says, and Buddy's spirit saved a lot of other people too. Now I know that's cheesy and silly, but just get over it and go with me because here's what I want you to know today. God might be using you to spiritually save other people as well, where you're at right now. But if you don't grab a hold of who God says you are, 
and then you don't step into doing what God has called you to do, those people might miss out on what God has placed on the inside of you. See, there's so much more at stake than just our comfort and happiness, but stepping into our identity and who God's called us to be can literally change people all around us. So we owe it to people to step out in that way. Here's a big idea that I'm trying to get across to you today. I am who God says I am, and I can do the things that God says I can do. Now, what if your first reaction, the next time you fail, in the next week, when you mess something up or you feel stretched and you feel uncomfortable, instead of saying, I hate this, or instead of saying, I'm a loser, I always mess this up, what if your first reaction was to say, I am who God says I am, and I can do what he says I can do? How would that change your life? How would that change your attitude and your mindset? How would it change your productivity? In fact, could we all say that together right now? Could you say it with me? Say, I am who God says I am, and I can do what he says I can do. Let's do it one more time. I am who God says I am, and I can do what he says I can do. I challenge you this week to get close enough to God to hear him speaking who you are and what he's called you to do. You have to get close enough to hear him speaking it to you. And then I challenge you throughout the week to continue to tell yourself, I am who God says I am, and I can do what God says I can do. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.